Welcome to the Farm Talks podcast, an audio edition of Farm Talk newspaper, your four-state ag news source. Farm Talk News has proudly been serving the four-state area with quality ag content since 1974. Listen in for 100% agriculture, 100% of the time. Tune in today with your host. Welcome to the season two premiere of the Farm Talks podcast. I'm your host, Emily Zaronis, the Associate Editor of Farm Talk News. If you're new to our channel, make sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. We are here this weekend at the Ozark Fall Farm Fest in Springfield, Missouri from October 6th through the 8th. Make sure you drop by the Farm Talk booth. We are located in the ePlex for a free copy of this year's show directory. Farm Talk's podcast prides itself on bringing you content from a different segment of agriculture each month to talk about the challenges and strategies that our listeners care about. The beef industry has our focus this month, and for even more cattle content, I encourage listeners to keep up with Farm Talk for the beef industry special issue to drop on Wednesday, November 1st. For today, we're inviting Jason and Jennifer Poor from Pomona, Missouri to share the good, the bad, and the ugly of day-to-day tasks on a cattle ranch. The Poor family is heavily involved in the Missouri Cattlemen's Association and is committed to growing the digital voice of Midwest cattle producers. Let's hear what they have to say. All right, Jennifer, thanks for joining us and you as well, Jason. I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves. So I'm Jennifer Poor. Uh, my husband and I, we both, we co-own Poor Farms Cattle and they're located in Pomona, Missouri, which is South Central Missouri. Besides working on our farm, I'm also a secretary at the high school, the local high school here. And when I'm not there, I'm helping Jason out on the farm. Got a cow-calf operation, uh, Angus and Solaire Cross. Just, we've got two awesome kids, Maddie, who's 17, Cooper, who is 14, going on 15. And so we're running after them. If we're not chasing after cows, we're chasing after kids. Well, that sounds like quite the busy lifestyle. So I would love for you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so I would love for you to tell me a little bit about that home operation of Poor Farms Cattle and how you got started, and tell me a little bit about the day to day in that. Yeah, I'll let Jason take that one. <laughs> well, uh, my dad uh, started Poor Farms, is is what he called it. He came to this area in 1970. And then in 1975, uh, bought 160 acres and started the cow-calf operation in 1977. And then as the years went by, added on what he could add on. And then I've added on some as well. So we now have 720 (laughs) acre operation and right now we've got about 460 acres of that that is in some form of of production whether it be permanent pasture or if it's in wheat pasture sedan pasture rotation that that helps us feed the cows we're running uh right now we're running about 114 mama cows and we've got 23 replacement heifers coming up through the ranks this year Well, excellent. And I love the name that you have, Poor Family Farms. Is that something you get to talk quite a bit about with some of your customers as well? Is that a a nice icebreaker, I suppose, for you? 
a lot of people do uh, you know kind of look at it and, and and laugh as far as the poor farms go in fact you, you'll run into a few people uh, that are are old enough still that actually remember the actual poor farms they get quite the the kick out of that that, that our operation is is poor farms yes Awesome. I love it. I love it. And so can you tell me about some of those changes that have happened generational and what that looked like back in 1977 to what that looks like a little bit today? Oh, wow. Yeah. Where, where to, where to go with that? Because yes, there are many, many changes have, have certainly occurred, which I, I always liked seeing as, as I, grew up dad was always researching and always trying to improve of course certainly profitability but but also improve the the quality of his cattle he was probably one of the first people in this area to start fence line weaning and he the round baler he bought the uh, first round baler that the dealer in west plains ever sold in 19 i think it was 79 and and so he was always again looking for ways to to improve the operation of course that continues where we're at uh, with our operations today we go with the the solaire angus crosses simply because we we feel the carcass is there they not only a good quality grade but the combination does very good as far as yield grades as well so you're seeing people get not only quality bonuses at the packing plant but they are also getting yield grade bonuses as well Very cool. Thanks for sharing a little bit about that. So I want to turn it back over to Jennifer a little bit. You are involved with the Missouri Cattle Women's Association. And so I would love to hear a little bit about your role through that association and what you do. Honestly, it's it's a great, I love the organization. I got involved through a friend. She was one of the board members and she told me she knew me from Cattle Men's and I'd go to the meetings there and see her and meet with her and stuff and she told me she said you know you really ought to get involved in cattle women she'd be great and we've got a good group of ladies that are that are on the board and uh, so i started out as a board member for our area and then uh got i guess you would say promoted or voted in as vice president and then president-elect and then this january i'll be president and i help out with with the beef house uh, at state fair actually this is my first year going there and we did a cooking demonstration advocacy for all things beef Uh, we also do cattle women at the capitol usually that's about once a year and then the rest of the time we can go with our cattle men's group as well where we meet with politicians talk about any important issues that might be coming up for vote or any issues that are kind of out there that are a little concerning to cattle owners and landowners and uh, so we do a lot of advocacy that way one of my favorite favorite love childs i guess as you would call it is mo beef kids where we try and get quality beef into the schools and uh, quality local beef so we reach out to local farmers and ask them if they can donate basically a killer cow and they take it to a USDA inspected facility or a facility that does USDA inspections and they make it into ground beef and donate it to the schools and the kids get 
real, I call it real beef. So they know what farm-raised local beef tastes like, and they can tell such a huge difference. It's it's amazing. You wouldn't think it, but they do. They, the kids will comment, wow, this is really, really good, no matter what it's made into. So those that's basically my, my role in Cattle Women's. Well, it's a great thing to be showing the uh, next generation, and I love all of the outreach objectives that you have going on. Obviously, Missouri is a Midwest leader in beef production and cattle production, and you both are involved in the Missouri Cattlemen's Association, is that correct? Yeah, we both are. Um, in our local association, I'm the treasurer for that for the local association. Jason's on the board of directors for them. We, I mean, anytime they need us for anything, we're there. Uh, we both have day jobs, and so we do try and go to the Kettleman at the Capitol. Uh, sometimes that works out great, sometimes not so great, but uh, we do, and uh, we both really, really enjoy it. We kind of consider it some of our date nights when we go to meetings, which is sad on our part, but it works out. Hey, that's the best kind of date night. And so I would love to hear what advice you would have for people in the state of Missouri or anywhere else in the four-state area, young people in the beef industry. Like when, how, why should they get involved in their state cattlemen's associations? I, I think when they buy that first cow, I honestly think even if it's, you know, we've got the Junior Cattlemen's Association. Both our kids are members of that. I think they need to get involved in that because the average age of a farmer is 65 years old, and that needs to change. And I think that comes through the younger generation learning. And one of the ways they can learn is through cattlemen's. They can also just see from the predecessors of ways to go, what to do. Like I said, I think they should join as soon as they buy that first cow. The reason they can do that is we get a lot of advocacy, a lot of information from the cattlemen's and their voice can be heard as they join and get more involved. So that way they can't sit back and say, well, they didn't do this because, you know, blah, 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 blah. They have a voice. And I think that is so important, especially in nowadays, we we have our voice and this is one one stream or one way we can have our voices heard and as as cattle producers yeah we have to get our message out we we can't rely on anyone else to do that so certainly the earlier that young people get involved with it better prepared they are going to be to get that message out and shoot it doesn't even it's not that expensive too i mean for an adult cattle producer, I think it's $70 a year. For a junior cattle producer, it's $20 a year. Uh, so it's not something that is extraordinarily expensive to get involved in. And how can our young producers go about getting involved? Joining junior cattlemen's. <laughs> <laughs> One of the ways that you can do that, they can go to convention in January, usually at Lake of the Ozarks is where it has been, and they can learn about that. Uh, they the junior cattlemen they even have their own board and so they can apply for that and interview for that they can start out with their local ffa a lot of kids that are in ffa their parents or are ffa alumni or they are cattlemen or women or they might be farm bureau members you know i mean there's lots of ways to get involved in any of those things 
which they also have the all breeds cattle show. Yes, <clears throat> now um, Missouri Cattlemen's they've started. You know, for the kids who may not be into the floofy, pretty show show cows, they've got the all breeds where it's more geared toward. I would say cow calf operations where basically you get your your cow or your steer or your heifer whichever and you get it halter broke so it, and pen broke so it doesn't freak out at the fair and you can show your cow that way and that's an excellent way for the younger younger generation to get involved with all of this perfect well we are well on our way to making that average age well below 65 and i love to hear some of these opportunities and share those with our listeners across the farm talks podcast but i want to get into a little bit of the other side i want to talk about some of the issues that we should be talking about between beef producers and knowing what one another does i think is is really beneficial to the collaboration across the four states in the ag industry and so to kick that off i would really like to ask your perspective about beef availability it is currently still in economic decline across the four state area. Is this an issue that you see yourselves? Isn't an issue you see playing out in Missouri as supply and demand tightens? Uh, just talk about how that's affecting you and your family. For the most part, of course, we did see as far as our freezer beef and, and on the hoof beef sales, we saw a very large spike in that with COVID and, and people concerned about not being able to, to get beef. We've certainly struggled uh, with the amount of land that we currently have in production because of the drought. We certainly don't have as many animals on that productive land as we would like to have simply because we, we've struggled. I, was talking to a guy at the feed store today and and we were kind of reminiscing about you know wheat pasture rye pasture sedan grass you know tools that we use to get through and and really the last good wheat pasture that we had in the spring was was in 2019 it's just been so dry at the exact wrong times for us that, that we haven't been able to elevate our numbers uh, our, our, our head count to where we would really like it to be same thing pretty well happened to us this year with our our sudan grasses the, the gentleman i was talking to um, i mentioned i said i lost between 30 or 40 percent that it just died and that's never happened to me before and he said he said he lost at least 25 percent so again certainly i think that and many other areas have had it much worse than we have uh, so certainly you've seen seen producers selling off and you hear a lot of people talk but a lot of the older producers you're hearing them say that they they probably won't be back so certainly that is is affecting the amount of cattle that is here in our area well thank you for your insight into that and that's something we will be looking at in future years. No one has that crystal ball, as we talked about in previous episodes of Farm Talks podcast, to know what that weather will be. But we always pray and hope for the best as, as we go forward. And so continuing on sort of the issues discussion, I would love to ask your take on what kinds of challenges you are facing in cattle marketing and drought-induced herd liquidation. 
Yeah, we, we are not seeing it as much in our area, certainly, as they they have in other areas. But but certainly, we, we've seen, you know, uh, prices uh, certainly affected by that. And, and it's really hard not to want to turn loose a, a bunch of calves at the price they're at now you know without maybe going through your your full weaning program your full vaccination protocols you, you kind of want to get lazy in that but but i think certainly we need to remain vigilant on on that because we have made so much progress you know on wean back sales and things such as that that, that really helps us market better animals Awesome. So I want to take us a little bit away from the issues panel and talk a little bit more in promotion and advocacy because I see that Poor Family Farms has a YouTube channel and you link all of your videos to your social media page so that everyone can find that. But for our listeners, that is Poor Farms Cattle on Facebook. So Jennifer and Jason, tell me a little bit about your YouTube channel. What inspired you to start doing this and what exactly do you showcase? Well, there was probably a few evenings that Jason and I were just kind of surfing through channels trying to figure out what to watch when we stop on YouTube and we see other farming channels on there. And my husband so lovingly looks at me, he says, you could so do this you need to be doing this <laughs> so that half that was where the birth of a uh, poor farms cattle channel started and we just you know we started that and we decided we're gonna show the good the bad the ugly the fun time happy times of farming and the really really bad times of farming and i mean we've had some of both you know, we've had times where we get to talk about new calves being born. We've had times of uh, defeat where we've had calves that we've tried to help along and they just died. No, you know, no matter what we did, we did our best or do not our due diligence beyond our due diligence with these calves and they still still die. And it hurts. It hurts. And you know i have one video on there where i'm just bawling like a big baby and it's over a calf and i jay i'm like should i even put this out there and he's like absolutely and we need to be very transparent and uh, and uh, you know we we do that so people who don't know can learn the biggest thing knowledge is power and i think sometimes that helps people when you come to a table and you're on different differing sides of things is they they may not know me at all but they can look at this channel and learn who i am and who we are and what we're doing and hopefully they get a clear view of that i think one of our main goals with the channel is just to be very transparent this time of year things are kind of not really i don't want to say active but not as interesting on the farm we're coming up on working cattle at the end of the month that will be kind of fun and we'll learn who's pregnant who's not pregnant and then we'll start weaning and that'll be pretty interesting too and then we've got calving in february and so things will pick up and so right now i guess we're just showcasing a lot of the kids and their activities and and moving cows because that's what we're doing we're pasture hopping we're we're moving them to get so they got feed Awesome. And do you remember who who was your inspiration when you started that? 
we we really like the way um, Sunny Farms did their videos and how genuine they were and how kind of goofy they were. Let's see, Sunny Farms, Meredith Bernard, This Farm Life, I think is what it's called, or This Farm Life, her channel, and then also... Peterson Brothers, we watched them. Yeah, Peterson Brothers and the and Casey Farms. Those are four of our usual go-tos that we'll check whenever they have new videos that we'll watch. Well, excellent. I'm glad to see all of the advocacy that you are doing uh, on our social media channels to promote the good and the bad and the ugly of... (laughs) what farming is in the four states. And so I would love for the both of you to tell me a little bit about your family. Tell me what drives your family to produce beef for your neighbors and constituents. Do you want me to take that? Sure. <laughs> we are very firm believers in, in good beef. And what is in the market, the grocery store right now, is not the best beef that people can have. And we're teaching our kids this, and we want to make sure that they understand this. And this is why sometimes we come in late. This is why we are going to Jeff City to advocate. The grocery stores and and the food market has moved away, so far away, from good, nutritious food. They're talking about growing it in a lab, and our bodies are not made to eat that stuff. And it's just so frustrating for farmers like us that people in the city, people even in our area, don't realize just down the road, there's a farmer that can sell them beef that is good and nutritious and healthy for their kids. And, you know, it's not pumped full of all the garbage that some of the other stuff is pumped full with. You know, it's important to us, and I we're very passionate to help people, to educate people and teach them, you know, there is a good nutritious source for you. It's the best protein out in there. the world. Yeah, it's the best protein out there. And, and the bo- our bodies know what to do with it. Absolutely. And so I don't recall if I asked you, but tell me where you're located so that people know where to find you. We're in south central Missouri, about uh, 30 miles north of the Arkansas line. We're just about halfway in east to west uh, across the lower portion of Missouri, Towell County. Our ad- mailing address is Pomona, but uh, Willow Springs is, is where our kids go to school. Well, excellent. We will know to send, send people your way for some good quality beef. Absolutely. And so I would love to just talk a little bit about, I watched some of your YouTube videos and I loved how real it felt and one of them that I watched you said wait till the end and I'm going to use the phrase EGR as life advice and I would love for you to tell everyone what that means and how you use it in your life. So EGR is extra grace required and uh, one of my past principles it started out there there was this one kid at school that really it he drove the principal nuts and he drove me nuts too and we were talking about this child one day and and i say kid and i just want everyone to know it's a high schooler it's not like a little elementary kid that we're picking on we're not even picking on the high schooler it's just a (laughs) young adult (laughs) anyhow this kid drove us nuts and my principal he said you know he just 
it's just an EGR kind of situation with this kid. And I said, what's EGR? And he told me, extra grace required. And that has stuck with me. Just in daily life, whether you're on the road driving and there's someone in front of you, behind you, whatever, that is driving not how you think they should, or you're at the grocery store and someone's parked their cart right in the middle of the aisleway, and you're just like, seriously, come on, move. Or even you're talking to someone who doesn't know anything about agriculture or beef, or you have differing opinions. That is where you take a moment, you breathe, and you listen to listen, not to respond. And it just, some days, I know I do great at it, and most days I do not. Some days I just spit whatever I'm thinking out of my mouth, and it does not, I don't have EGR. I think I need EGR for myself. (laughs) And uh, Jason is a lot better at holding his tongue and giving people grace. I don't know, a lot better, so maybe he should have answered this. (laughs) Anything to say about that, Jason? (laughs) Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> All righty. Well, I absolutely appreciate the both of you coming on the podcast today, and I have really enjoyed our conversation and gotten to know a little bit more about your operation and what kinds of things you you see in your area. And so I would love to ask you at this time if there's anything that I haven't asked you that you would love for our listeners to know about. Not not really. I mean, the only thing I can stress is that, uh, you know, if you don't if you don't grow your own beef, find someone who does. If you can buy it from them on the hoof or out of their freezer, I highly recommend it. I, you know, it doesn't have to be us. It'd be great if they wanted to buy beef from us, but it doesn't even have to be from us. I think uh, just go out there and find you a farmer and that it doesn't even have to be limited to beef if you know someone who grows great pork or chicken or eggs you know or even a dairy farmer that will sell you some milk or you know whatever i i recommend you go and you find that farm and uh, you buy from them very cool well thank you for joining us on the podcast today and we look forward to hearing more from you in the future and have a great rest of your day today You too. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the season two premiere of the Farm Talks podcast. We hope to see you this weekend at the Ozark Fall Farm Fest in Springfield on October 6th through the 8th. And don't forget about the Beef Industry Special Issue to drop on Wednesday, November 1st. For the top ag news in the four state area, you can find a copy of Farm Talk newspaper in your mailbox, at a newsstand, or online at farmtalknews.com. Thanks for listening.